On this episode, we smoke the My Father La Duena Petit Lancero. We also show you how to properly toast your cigar. Welcome. Burn Line Podcast. The burn line on a well-crafted cigar is straight and sharp as a razor, much like our wit and wisdom. And welcome to Burn Line Podcast, brought to you not live from the hot box, the smoky back room where deals are struck and fortunes are made at the Blanco Cigar Lounge, Union Cigar, Hanover, Pennsylvania, USA. It is a beautiful, if rainy, day out here in Pennsylvania. I'm your host, John Thacker Jr. And I'm your host, Nicholas McCann. Nicholas, good morning. Hi, John. As usual, we are starting the day off with some delicious coffee, black in my case. So what is it today? Lincoln Blockade? Yep, same story. Lincoln Blockade. Blockade. <clears throat> well, it's a good uh, mellow roast that I feel is a, a fantastic sort of black uh, morning cup of coffee. I love it. Um, so we're smoking the La Duena by My Father today. So we haven't smoked a My Father product on the show yet, so we're giving this a whirl and... Uh, Right off the bat, this is a number seven, which is a six by forty-two petite lancero. It retails for eight seventy-five, or a box of twenty-one is one hundred sixty-five dollars, a savings of eighteen dollars, or just seven eighty-five per cigar. So a great deal here at Union Cigar Hanover. And why don't we talk about the presentation on this cigar? So it has a really beautiful sort of medium brown wrapper. Um, I'm not sure quite how to describe it except a little raisiny, right? It's a little uh, wrinkled. Does that sound right? Yeah, not not toothy, not bumpy. Yeah. Uh, maybe a little leathery. Leathery, yeah. yeah. Yeah, kind of like a mummy. Like, this looks like the finger of an Aztec mummy. Like if you just pulled it right out of the, the pyramid in Central America. It would probably look like this. That one, re- the neck of the one retired guy that spends too much time playing golf. Yes, never yeah, wears that, sunscreen. That, that, that's what we've got here. So we have mummy leather wrapper. Um, it does have a uh, little pigtail on the head of the cigar. Very little. Very little. Is your stiff? I'm always stiff. Wow. <laughs> yes, it is stiff. And the band is a uh, really interesting sort of cherry red and white band. It says La Duena, it does not say my father, it has a silhouette of a woman, and Nick will talk about that later. Um, it sort of looks like a locket on the front, and it comes in a plain wooden box, um, the high stack box, where it's like five wide and six high or something like that. Um, so the presentation is a sort of classic semi-rustic, Super, super different from the other My Father bands. It is. All of it is uh, pretty different. You know, a lot of the My Fathers have sort of your traditional flat tray type of cigar box, um, two, ornate. Two stacks of ten. Two stacks of ten, ornate bands. Um, definitely, like, their branding is kind of on the fancy side, and this one is a lot simpler. Um, I really like it. Uh, this is a kind of unique brand presentation that really jumps out to me. So one of my favorite parts about uh, the My Father brand and opening boxes from My Father, which is the privilege that I get to do uh, Monday through Friday here at Union Cigar Hanover, um, is that they, they include a cedar um, that is usually the, the length of the box um, in all of their, their boxes. And this one 
in particular the cedar that comes with this box has the imprint of the silhouette that's on the band oh that's pretty cool yeah that's and a good so, branding touch and then when you open the lid on the lid the side of the lid that's facing you ha also has the same silhouette very cool yeah and with that it is time for our official cut and light of this cigar we will begin by clipping our cigar with authority that is really cool yeah I like it. yeah we're just looking at a picture of the uh box here how it presents and uh it is really cool it's well done and we remind you to clip your cigar with authority no limp wristed clipping allowed and that will allow you to slice right through that cap and uh not uh kind of fray your fray your wrapper and mush it did you ever sharpen your cutters the blade of your cutters no usually i just buy a new one yeah i saw this guy down in texas he makes these uh cutters out of like uh damascus steel and they're like five thousand dollars or something and yeah like you can shave with them i would sharpen that one i wouldn't just buy a new one but uh yeah someday and we are doing the uh the tap the head so tap the head ritual we'll have to post a video or something on youtube but after you clip your cigar just turn it upside down gently tap it on the meaty part of the hand between your thumb and first finger and get all that dottle and spare tobacco off. And I've been doing it ever since you showed me, and it actually improves my cigar smoking experience. That, it works. It works very well. That whole thing where like you get your first puff and then you scrape your tongue with the back of your thumbnail or something yeah, to yeah. get those little dots off. Yeah. And it is time for our official lighting, brought to you by Union Cigar Hanover. I am toasting my cigar with a vertigo three flame jet lighter and we're about to talk about toasting uh, in this episode so we we better do this right you know if we're going to tell people how to do it right can't be hypocrites can't be hypocrites toasted not roasted toasted not roasted toasted not roasted it's toasted i get it mine's turned up a little high your boy forgot his lighter well i will help you out but there's a uh, always dead space in this part of the show that I, I typically cut out so that I don't bore the audience. But there's a reason for that, which is a proper cigar toasting uh, takes a while, you know? So we'll talk about that more in a little bit, but I feel like uh, properly toasting the cigar to get started, you know, is a, a pretty big lever in how well I enjoy the cigar and and it's worth learning how to do it right and taking the time every time you know if I feel like if I'm picking up a cigar and just jamming a flame into it um then I'm probably like smoking it for the wrong reason like I'm addicted to nicotine or something you know ideally the whole process is a, a slower one we we you know we tend to be quick in our lives we we got to go from one place to another and try not to hit any red lights and always get notifications on our phone about Shit, and this is a time where we can slow down. Slow down. Yeah, it's part of the ritual. And I feel like it feeds into the cigar smoking experience and kind of why we smoke cigars. You know, part of the uh, enjoyment of this hobby is that we are doing something that is intentional and slow, and you have to pay attention. Um, and it does wonders for your memory and imagination and creativity. All right, I'm, I'm taking it too far, but you get the point, right? That's not how we live the rest of our lives, right? Yeah, it's, a, it's an anomaly in our lives, I think. Um, you don't 
you don't start your car with the same intention that you light and smoke a cigar. Right. You know, you don't uh, you don't toast your waffles in the toaster with the same intention. You know, we're over here inspecting the cigar. We're like, oh, what does this look like? Mm-hmm. What does this taste like? What does this smell like? Well, so for me, uh, I've got a nice cherry on here. Um, you can definitely taste the cedar, like on the cold draw, and then also like the first few puffs. In my experience, the cedar-packed cigars, um, it it sort of burns off. Like you can usually taste it initially, and then it, it kind of goes away. Um, so I do get that little puff of flavor at the start of the stick. Yeah. To me, the, the wrapper feels waxy. Yeah, that's a good good description. It feels uh, waxy. And uh, the flavor the flavor that I got in anticipation of the show was kind of like that same piney bitterness. Yeah, yeah. John and I both remarked that it was different than we remembered. And I can't remember if I smoked uh, this Vitola last time or not. I know it comes in a, I think it's a 5x50 or 5x52, um, maybe a third Vitola, but... This is the Petite Lancero 6x42, and uh, we are going to smoke it and let you know what we think. So, Nick, why don't you tell us a little bit about the La Duena Project and uh, my father's cigars? So, uh, La Duena has been around for about 10 years. It started out as a limited release. Uh, Pete Johnson, who's the the owner of Tatuaje, the, um, the brand face of Tatuaje, Tattoo Pete, as they refer to him, was the one that blended this for Janny Garcia. Um, and Janny is one of the matriarchs of the Garcia family. Uh, Don Pepin being the the patriarch, the the guy that started it all for my father cigars. The OG, the OG. And Janny was interested in uh, a cigar that wasn't as strong as the typical my father profile. So Pete went to work and blended this for her. Uh, La Duena means um, woman boss. Girl boss. Girl boss, yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. The girl boss cigar. Nice. And uh, the the most interesting part about this is I think it has broadleaf on every layer. Connecticut broadleaf on every layer of the cigar. So wrapper binder filler has all broadleaf. Interesting. Leave it to Pete Johnson. So uh, this is a number seven, and for... Folks that are unfamiliar in uh, Cuba, they sort of assigned Vitola's numbers. And if you're buying Cuban cigars, that's still something you'll come across. You know, this is a number two. This is a number four. Um, that Vitola is a 6x42 Parejo Petit Lancero. And uh, the wrapper is Connecticut Broadleaf. It's uh, a well-aged natural, I think I'd say. Like, it's, it's not a Maduro, but it's... Getting there. Okay. I've seen like several shades darker uh, Connecticut Broadleaf yeah. wrappers. Yeah. Um, and then the binder and filler have Connecticut Broadleaf and Nicaraguan tobacco. So interesting uh, blend here. So this is like a, a love letter to the old lady. Yeah, yeah. Uh, really, really cool project. I think that also this was the first cigar that Pete blended that he didn't distribute. Hmm. Um, obviously, Pete has a strong connection to the the Garcia family. I believe that he married into the Garcia family. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so this is this is a nice ode to that family that welcomed him. That's pretty cool. 
All right, so I've probably got three-eighths of an inch, which is 10 millimeters for you metric folks out there, uh, into my cigar, and I think I'm ready to share some tasting. Uh, Nick, what, what's coming through for you? Getting a little bit of sweetness. Just a, a hint, hint, hint of sweetness. Small hint. Um, but like I said earlier, that, that piney kind of waxy bitterness is still there. Um, and there maybe is, a, I think, a coffee bean bitterness, too for me yeah i think uh i think i'm getting spruce you know it kind of right now it it kind of tastes like if i were smoking a christmas tree yep um and it even has the mouth feel like you said like how you would imagine a spruce tree in your mouth like a sort of waxy waxy green i don't know coniferous leaf as opposed to a tobacco leaf um, yeah, there's a little bit of, I called it graham cracker, but it's like almost sweet, like a graham cracker. Yeah. Um, and, and that's pretty much it right now. I will tell you the, the draw on mine is acceptable. I think part of it is because it's a Lancero, you know, the, uh, the pressure that I've got to put there to get some smoke out is going to be higher. You know, it's only a 42. Um, the smoke is... Not not a ton of smoke output. It's fairly light smoke in my mouth. It doesn't really have a texture on my palate. It's like a gray gray white ash holding on the end here. I think one of the things I noticed the first time I ever smoked this cigar, as it was recommended to me by a customer and a friend, um, was that the pace needed to smoke this cigar is different than a lot of like six fifty toros or even cigars of this size. I I really the first time I smoked it, I really had to pay attention to the pace that I was smoking with. Um, and this is, I guess, another important topic that we should talk about at some point, but, um, the smaller the gauge, the hotter it can get, uh, more easily. Um, and so this one is kind of one that you need to slow down, but pay attention to like long, slow draws. Yep. Yeah. Consistency. Yeah. So yeah, if you're, if you're chugging on this, then, uh, yeah, you're, you're probably going to heat the cherry up too much. I can I can see that for sure. Which is going to affect taste, just like lighting the cigar affects taste. And the ash is definitely uh, like white and flaky, which typically like the the more it's aged, the more the uh, cigar ashes that way. Um, I think Padron is a great example of a cigar that uh, you know you got to watch it or wear it, you know. And this seems to be ashing in a similar fashion. Oh, dude, we do a manager selection here at Union Cigar. Uh, Myself and Taylor, the the assistant district manager, alternate weeks, and I picked a Drew Estate cigar this past week, and I wore it on my pants. <laughs> and so I send I send pictures to our uh, my boss Jordan to post on social media, and I sent him the picture of the the ash laying all over my pants. I didn't know if he was going to post it or not, and he ended up posting it. I thought That's it was funny. Awesome. Yeah, That's hilarious. Yes, hazards of the industry wearing the ash. Yeah, I would say that. Uh, so far, this seems like a cigar, particularly in this Vitola, that uh, you probably have to pay attention to. So I, not so much a conversation cigar or like a I'm doing something else cigar. Um, I think you have to pay attention to the lighting. You have to pay attention to the draw. You have to pay attention to the ash. And uh, I think that affects like the kind of the experience you want to have with the cigar. Yeah, you can cut up. You can puff away on a fifty-six, a fifty, a sixty gauge, but this one it it makes you slow down. 
a little bit where the cigar dictates the pace instead of you dictating the pace, which I think bigger gauges, oftentimes the smoker can dictate the pace. Mm-hmm. So interestingly enough, uh, I'm reading now that this was released on April 1st, 2012. April Fools. Yep, which is today. April 1st, not 2012. Yeah. Yeah, we should have come up with an April Fool's podcast. Like, I don't know, uh, Elton John is collaborating with my father on a cigar or something. The Elton John and Dennis Rodman release with Drew Estate. Candela rapper. <laughs> it's a barber pole. It's, <laughs> it's, a, it's Candela and uh, Pennsylvania Broadleaf Maduro. The band resembles... Rodman's hair in the 90s. <laughs> you make me choke on my cigar. <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, the band is actually Rodman's legs doing the splits as he goes up for a rebound in the 90s, and it just wraps all the way around. It's just like one leg just out there, and on the other end of it is like Patrick Ewing's face or something That's, like that. Yeah. yeah, He was a beast, man. I mean, for as crazy as he is, and I'm young, I did not get to watch the Bulls. I was born like when MJ and Scotty were old. You know, dominating yeah and old yeah the second three-peat and uh yeah they were freaking rock i'm i'm team lebron this is super controversial as well but uh, yeah he's i mean lebron's a great player he might be the second or third best basketball player ever but mj's number one this is the you see the generational age difference here yeah but you didn't see him play see lebron james is the kind of player that will die before he lets you beat him and Michael Jordan's the kind of player that will kill you before he lets you beat him. And that's the difference. That's good. It, it, it is generational. On a more serious note, like uh, cigars, because this is a cigar podcast. Yeah, we should do one on uh, like athletes and cigars. You know, it's, it's pretty big. Of course, you got Arnie, MJ. They're famous you know, for their cigars. I've seen LeBron with a stick from, from time to time. Yeah. Uh, Joe Burrow, Cincinnati Bengals. Oh, yeah. Joe yeah. Cool is famous for winning playoff games and then smoking a scar in the locker room after. Of course, you got uh, Red Auerbach. Celtic? Boston Celtics? Mm-hmm. With his uh, Candela. Gary Sheffield released a cigar with Rocky. Ray Lewis released a cigar with Rocky. Ed Reed loves mm-hmm. Placencia. Mm-hmm. Hey, we're doing it right now. Yeah. The, uh, the Athletes and Cigars Shit, podcast. Shit, we're switching gears. Yeah. So... Um, all right, I've, I've got a little more burn down on this uh, cigar now. And uh, I will say that the strength is probably mid, maybe mid full, if that sounds right. Uh, it's burning okay. You know, it's not uh, super crisp, but it's burning all right. Um, I don't think I'm satisfied with the smoke output. I don't, I don't think it puts out enough smoke, you know, for what I enjoy in a cigar. And... It's very light smoke. Like, it's just disappearing. You know, like, I'm holding it up against this, uh, whatever this is, cherry wood or mahogany cabinet uh, humidor over here for the uh, locker members. You know, it's a dark wood, and I'm watching the smoke rise, and I can barely see it, and then it just goes away. So, surprisingly, I mean, I guess surprising because it's a My Father product, the the smoke is not like anything else. To me, this is the Damasio of My Father Probably a great cigar in its own right, but you don't. Th- I wouldn't think my father if I were smoking it. It's kind of an it's an outlier in terms of the typical my father profile. I'm having a a wonderful time over here though. I don't know. I got I picked the right one out of the box. It's so weird how you could pick the same. You know, and you also have more smoke output than I do. Yeah, it's it's 
but like I'm looking at my rapper, my rapper's more oily than yours is. Yeah, it's true. It's just a weird. I can see that too. Yeah. You have a perfect burn line as well. Yeah. For the first time in three weeks. <laughs> the previous two weeks, I've been the one touching up my cigar. And for the first time in burn line history, John Thacker has the bad burn line. I will tell you that the the uh, flavor, as I'm as I'm coming down, there's I, th- I think the spruce is mellowing out a little bit. It's still there. Um, it's starting to become a little more cigar flavored, I guess, for me. Um, it's still maybe like two or three notes, probably two, but I'm getting a little bit of like the spruce has almost turned into mint a little bit, but like an actual mint leaf, not like, you know, mint flavored candy. But, you know, if you've ever had like a fresh peppermint leaf, that sort of, uh, it's hard to explain. It's like fresh basil, like, cause it has that garden flavor. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm smoking something that grew in the ground. Which right. It's kind of cool. Right. Um, but it's less sprucey and more like minty now. I know those are close flavors, but I feel like uh, feel like it's evolving that way. Uh, interestingly, it has like maybe a touch of pepper now, like, but it also tastes a little less strong. Body for me is medium. Uh, definite cedar in there for me. Mm-hmm. Hint of pepper for sure. The the waxy the waxy bitters kind of subsided for me. Yeah. Um, coffee bean bitters still there. But the waxy bitters, it's it's gone away a little bit. Um, pretty homogenous flavor. I yeah. think that. Yeah. I don't know if the broadleaf on all layers everything out. Yeah. Yeah. And it kind of so. I feel like it corners the blend. Yeah. Into being one thing. Yeah. Yeah, There's, I think so. The coffee bitter that you describe, I actually have a flavor that I know by accident. Uh, to me, it is the taste of a raw fava bean, which I uh, ate one time. And it's kind of like uh, caffeine. So caffeine has a flavor. And on the New York Stock Exchange, you are not allowed to drink anything except water. And so in that part of the world, they sell caffeinated water, um, which I tried. And when you taste it and then you drink coffee, you're ruined because you can taste the caffeine in the coffee now. Wait, on the New York Stock Exchange, you can only drink water? You can only drink water. On the trading floor? Yeah, not that there's any humans on the trading floor anymore. There's like two people. I mean, computers have taken over. But uh, yeah, so so they came up with caffeinated water. So I had some. By the way, if you really want to have the ride of your life, make coffee with caffeinated water. It's uh, next level. Oh, double caffeine? Oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, but the point is, when you drink caffeinated water, you can taste the caffeine because yeah. it's what's different from right. drinking regular bottled water. And then when you go back and drink coffee, you're like, shit, I can taste the caffeine. Figure, it, out, figure out how much of the, the coffee taste is caffeine and how much is coffee. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So in similar fashion with this cigar, what uh, you're describing as coffee bean bitter, you know, after that one experience of accidentally eating something I probably shouldn't have, um, that's what I would describe it as. But definitely, definitely a bean bitter, like uh, whatever that family of plant is, legumes, they're typically, uh, when they're raw especially, like they have that bitter element to them. And that's in there. And it, it ties into the whole thing where it's like every flavor that I get out of the cigar has an element of plant. You know, it's like, yeah, it's it's mint, but it's not mint flavor. It's like getting close to a mint plant. Like you're walking through a forest of, of mint plants 
and like somebody's weed whacking in the background, like that thing that enters your nose at that point, you know. If you were, if we were giving different flavors, it'd be like cut fresh cut grass, mm-hmm. kind of that that smell. Spring smells, man. These are all spring smells. These are all spring smells. Like, uh, are you familiar with Morning Glories? I am not, but Southern Draw is getting ready to release a cigar called Morning Glory. No kidding. Yeah. So it is a um, weed that grows in gardens. It's, a, it's sort of a vine with these beautiful purple flowers on it. And, you, you know, you, you've got to pull them. And they have a very unique, planty kind of smell to them. Um, and I'm getting a little bit of that uh, when I smoke this. Like, you know, when you're ripping these morning glories up by the roots, like they smell like a growing green vine. And there's like this growing green plant thing throughout the whole, like everything's tinged with it for me in this cigar. Yeah, I used to pick up uh, walnuts when I was a kid. I used to love the smell of walnuts, the, the super green ones, the super mm-hmm. big green ones. For those of you that don't know that uh, brown walnut that you... Uh, enjoy during the holidays comes encased in like a green rind when it falls off of the tree which by the way has a very acidic bitter so it's a sour sour smelling yeah and it is about time for our tobacconist tip of the week and now your tobacconist tip of the week with nicholas mccann so for the tobacconist tip of the week this week i'm going to describe something that i do all the time uh, that i think you should do too when selecting testing your cigars um and that's giving it a little giving it a little pinch at the foot um pinch is probably too harsh of a word it's a gentle it's like squeeze gentle squeeze yeah yeah um so you want to very gently if you had not if you have not bought the cigar yet if you have not purchased the cigar yet um but give it a little give it a little uh i don't know i'm looking for synonyms for squeeze just give it a little pinch at the foot. Pinch. <laughs> yeah, because you don't want to destroy the, the wrapper, like crack the wrapper. Right. If it does crack with gentle pressure, then it's underhumidified. Right. And yeah. if it just collapses, it's overhumidified. Right. And then you can feel the firm. The firmness, too, is a, a good indication of um, how it was filled, bunched. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, you don't want... There's a, there's a difference between overhumidified and underfilled. Yeah. Which yield similar results in a lot of give. Um, I think as well, overfilled, like it doesn't budge at all. You want a little bit of give is is what we're getting at. I often do the three-pinch method. So I'll gently squeeze the foot and then the middle and then the head. If they're different pressures, that's not humidity. That's uh, how the cigar was was bunched. Um, If they're all really similar then I'm, I'm sort of feeling the humidity or I'm feeling the bunching. It could just be a loosely packed cigar. You'll usually know because uh, you can have inconsistencies from some cigar brands. Most of them are pretty good with their quality control, and you might just have that, that rare one. But most of the time, if you have a cigar that's underfilled, it's consistently and it's on purpose, that means that it's going to burn faster and a little hotter. Um, more airy, more smoke flow. Yeah, more airy, more smoke flow, and, and manufacturers do this on purpose. So you'll probably know because you can Google it or whatever, and uh, you'll you'll know ahead of time, like, hey, this is a faster-burning cigar versus a slow burner or, you know, other um, construction methods. Some of them are, some of the cigars that I smoked are, are very firm. They're just 
yeah. packed in that wrapper. Yep. Um, so, but the three squeeze reveals any inconsistencies in the construction. And also, if it's a if, if it's a shop you haven't visited, not named Union Cigar, because all of our cigars are humidified very well here. They're all perfect. Um, you can you can tell if you're, the cigar you're buying is not of smokable quality at that point. So you don't want to buy a cigar that's well under humidified and light it up right then and there. You know, might need rest in your humidor for a little bit, some rehumidification. Um, as well, you don't want to buy a soggy cigar and smoke it because that will also yield a bad experience. Right. Nick, thank you for that tobacconist tip of the week. And uh, with that, let's talk about cigar toasting. So, of course, we, uh, we always say toasted, not roasted. And, uh, you know, it's an important part of the cigar smoking experience. And a couple of weeks ago, we talked about, like, methods for lighting your cigar. You know, you have the open flame method, whether that's, you know, a match hopefully transferred to cedar so you're not getting sulfur in your cigar, um, or a soft flame butane um but we didn't talk about the actual process of toasting so why don't we talk about that for a little bit so that you know our listeners know kind of what we're talking about and and uh you know i hate to say the proper method for toasting your cigar because there's not really a proper method but there are some things that you know you you have to take into account when you're getting your cigar going so why don't you jump into that for a minute yeah and Piggybacking off of what you just said, we're not telling you how to smoke your cigar. We're trying to give you all the tools to smoke your cigar uh, optimally. Yeah, get the most enjoyment out of it. And every individual out there, you know, you're going to have to test and experiment a little bit and and find out what works for you. Um, I've got a friend who only lights his cigar with uh, cedar strips or matches, but it's because uh, he's got a little bit of palsy. And, you know, using like a butane jet, you can you can burn yourself really badly yeah. with that, as well as screw up your cigar. Um, and so, you know, each individual has their own constraints and, and stuff that goes into toasting. And and I guess, you know, we can start there. Like the, the main takeaway is you want to toast the cigar. Like you're not lighting it on fire. So first steps first, right? You want to cut cut the cap. Some people some people start toasting it with that with the cap on. Which I think is interesting. It's uh, I haven't quite figured out what the difference is, but cut first, and then um, whatever method you want to use, whether it's soft flame, butane, uh, butane torture, um, anything but a bic lighter. Yeah, <laughs> anything but a Zippo. You don't want to suck that campfire gas down your cigar. Um, you want to keep the visible flame off of the cigar. Right. Right. So if you can see the flame and it's touching the foot of your cigar, that's likely uh, too close. Yeah, especially with a butane jet. It's very hot. That flame is very hot. And the here's the end result. So we start with the beginning, and then we'll go to the end result, and that will explain some of the steps and methods we're about to talk about. Um, the cherry refers to the lit smoldering tobacco Um that is actually producing the smoke and keeping the cigar going. And the goal is to keep the cherry as cool as possible without it going out. Yep. Right? Because the hotter the cherry, the more acrid the smoke, and you know it kills all the other flavors. Um, and that's temperature, right? You want to keep the, the temperature low. So kind of when you're smoking a cigar, the goal is to like 
to smoke it just enough to keep it from going out yeah. is, is sort of sort of the goal. And so that starts with the initial light, right? If you get it super hot, and and I know guys that will they will toast the foot of the cigar and then they will let it sit for like a minute before they start smoking it until it's just about to go out yep. and then they take that first draw. Yeah. And the reason is they don't want all of that acrid smoke uh, from from the first light. So that's the goal. We're trying to get a cherry that is hot enough to keep the cigar going, but cool enough that it's not producing the acrid smoke that comes from actually burning a leaf because that's what this is, is a bunch of leaves wrapped together. And I found the most effective comparison uh, when talking about cherry temperature is food. Um, so you don't want to cook a chicken breast at 700 degrees for three minutes in right. your oven. You want to cook it at 350 for 15 minutes or whatever. Right. Um, slowly but surely getting it to the, the internal temperature that you want. The um, FDA recommends that you cook chicken breast to a minimum temperature of 170 degrees. We are not liable for anybody that might die of food poisoning based on cooking advice given on this show. Go ahead, Dick. That was, that was a pretty good ad lib. <laughs> um, and I think people find that people find that comparison most helpful because they're like, oh, that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. I cook food. Um, you don't want to you don't want to cook your steak at 900 degrees because it will affect the flavor. Right. Right. Um, just like blasting the shit out of your cigar in the beginning is going to affect the flavor. Right. So I'll just walk through some steps. And again, these are, these are sort of general guidelines. You know, your, your mileage will vary. You'll have to experiment a little bit, but with your typical uh, jet lighter, and I'm using the Vertigo three flame, which, you know, is, is pretty typical of your multi uh, multi jet uh, butane lighters, you know, and the, the flame's going to come up about an inch and a half, two inches, unless you have it turned way up. Um, so holding the cigar, like, I don't know, four inches away is like where you want to be. Right. So if your cigars, cl- if, if your cigar is closer than that to your lighter, you're probably too close. Right. So probably, you know, again, it, it depends on your lighter, but it's away from the flame by a good inch or more. And you'll see, because the tobacco will start to smolder. And, and I'll that's say, what you're going for. Sorry. I'll say uh, start far and uh, move closer, not start close and move further. Right. Right. Yeah. You want to start can, start further and yeah. then and move in instead of... You, you can always get closer. But, uh, yeah, it's like, uh, you know, I don't know, jumping into a hot tub or something. Like, dip the toe in. <laughs> you know, don't don't jump in and say, oh, that's too hot, and jump out. Right, right. right. Yeah. Um, so, so you distance is important, right? And then... The method that works really well for me and you and everybody that's tried it is the toast and blow method, right? So you toast the foot of the cigar, and it's smoldering, right? It's not catching fire. If it's catching fire, there's a problem. And then instead of sucking on the cigar and, and drawing the flame into the tobacco... Just hold the hold the cigar upright in a vertical position and blow across the foot where the cherry is forming um, to provide extra oxygen and get it to sort of catch a little bit and start to smolder. And this whole process we're talking about of you know toasting your cigar from an adequate distance, blowing on it, toast blow to uh, what would you say like thirty seconds is the minimum. I don't think I've ever gotten a cigar started less than that. Yeah, it's um, a 
case by case basis, but there there's a baseline, and I think you're right about that. Thirty seconds is uh, it's a little quick, um, yeah. but it's not. But this isn't also not. This isn't a thing where you can say, "Oh, spend at least three minutes and you'll be good." Right, right. It's right. Uh, you can still like burn the hell out of your cigar, right, by holding that flame up to it for for thirty seconds, right, and and now you're holding a torch like it's on fire. Yeah, um, I think uh, that when I heard. Um, you want to seal the wrapper to the binder, start on the outside, mm-hmm. and kind of get the the wrapper and the binder melted together, mm-hmm. um, and then kind of work your way into the center and get that cherry going. So the the outer parts of the cigar are going to light first, yeah, um, and then the center is going to be the hardest part to get going. So you want to kind of rotate your flame on the outside around the the edge of the cigar, and also. Um, Rotate the cigar in your hand. You don't want to, like, shoot the flame on the same spot of the cigar. Right. Yeah, Roll. just roll the cigar gently sort of around the heat. And if you keep in mind that you are toasting it, um, I think that is a great cue for most people of what you're doing. You're not lighting your cigar, right? It shouldn't be flaming. There shouldn't be a big four-inch flame shoot up. Um, you're, you're toasting it. So... Here's some uh, do's and don'ts, and then we'll kind of recap the whole process. Um, the don'ts, right? Uh, too much heat, right? And pretty much any lighting method can do this. I know that I get pretty good results from a soft flame butane, as long as there's not airflow, because it will go out pretty easily. Um, but the problem I've found with the soft flame is it takes a long time, and a lot of people, like, it's just, that's not the world we live in. I'm not going to spend two minutes getting my cigar started. That's too long. It doesn't seem like it when I'm going to sit here for an hour with this thing. But it's it's just a fact. Like, pe- people don't want to do that, right? So you want to avoid too much heat. And so what ends up happening, what I've seen with soft flames, is they'll get too close because then they get impatient and they, they start out doing it right. And next thing you know, they've got the flame right there and they're sucking it in through the cigar and, and then a four-inch flame leaps up off the foot of the cigar and and you ruined it right so avoid excessive heat um i I would also say don't pull or draw on the cigar like don't pull the flame into the cigar um now granted there's different uh different cigars out there and different experiences if you are you know uh pulling a spaghetti western and you've got a you know, 50 cent cheroot or whatever, go ahead and pull the flame in. You know, I don't, I don't, I don't think you're going to tell a difference there, but you might be smoking, you know, a, a 15, 20, $30 finely crafted tobacco product that spent years being grown and perfected and aged and, and then finally put together. And, you know, you, you don't want to wreck it. Like you've got some money invested in this experience. So you might as well invest a little bit of time to get it right, yeah, pulling that, pulling the hot flame, pulling the hot smoke through uh, will affect the the tobacco later in the cigar, mm-hmm. and um, you know, unfortunately, might ruin the you know the the second third, right, the middle right. third, because you pulled a bunch of hot smoke and tar and yeah, whatnot through, and now it's coated in garbage that you don't want to be right. tasting. Right. Yeah. Same thing with like the sulfur on a match. Like you can pull little tiny pellets of sulfur into the cigar and it sticks there and and it kind of glues itself to the leaf on the interior of the cigar. And then you're like an inch in 
and it tastes like trash because you've you've got that uh, sulfur ruining the the tobacco. And then uh, don't hold the flame too close. You know the distance equation, and that's also on the the dew side. Right? Do have proper distance, and just remember you're applying heat to get that cigar foot to smolder. You're not lighting it on fire, so I don't like the term lighting your cigar. Um, and, y- you know, it, imagine if you had a pile of leaves in your backyard and you just put a blowtorch on them. Right. What happens? Like, yeah. And they all get black and curl up, and we've all seen leaf fires and the yeah. big black column of acrid smoke that comes up. That's not what you're trying to enjoy with a cigar, but that's what you'll be doing, <laughs> you know, if you blast it. Right. I think uh, if you feel like you're, you're going to burn your facial hair or your eyebrows off, probably doing it wrong yeah yeah that's fair so if i walk through and just kind of recap like the whole ritual this is what it could look like and again not telling you how to light your cigar but explaining why we do it a certain way um so that you can maximize your own cigar smoking enjoyment uh first is to take it out of the wrapper if it is in cellophane cellophane and definitely do not light it while it's still in the cellophane if there's paper on the foot or a foot band Remove that as well. And if you are smoking a leaf by Oscar, take the leaf off of the outside. That is not meant (laughs) to be toasted. You'll have a handful of flame in a minute. So uh, anyway, uh, clip the head of the cigar. And then you are going to start your torch with the cigar away from it. Move the cigar towards the flame. And then you are going to essentially seal the wrapper uh, to the filler by applying heat around the edge or the rim of the foot while rotating your cigar. I typically use like a circular motion with the hand that's holding the torch, and then I'm gently rolling the cigar uh, while I seal the wrapper. So I call that the seal the wrapper step. And then uh, I'm slowly moving the flame, or not the flame, but the heat of the flame, right, closer to the center. And then that's probably about 10 to 15 seconds, and then I stand the cigar vertically, and I blow across the foot, and that uh, you can see just like blowing on coals, you know, that it's starting to catch a little bit. And then you can see the black spots, and if there's any on the outside, that's a problem that, you know, you want to address pretty quickly. Yeah, it's never, it's never going to be even, and it's never going to be perfect. Right. It's going to require maintenance and attention. Right. Now, there should be a darker patch of tobacco in the center yeah. right that, that's what you're going for if it's on the edge that's where you're going to get you know you're going to canoe your cigar or something really quickly right so you want to pay attention to that and make sure the the uh outer layers are uh definitely glowing red and then uh back to the grindstone same thing apply heat um, rotate the cigar blow across the foot and when it's fairly evenly distributed then I will slowly, long, slow draw, take my first puff. And when you do it right, it's like the best puff on the cigar. Yeah. And I typically blow that smoke, that first puff smoke back into the, the foot just to make sure that, like once you take that first puff, you want to see, all right, I think everything's lit. Let me just double check. Mm-hmm. And so you blow that first puff of smoke or your first breath after that into the foot and you, uh, and you really verify that it's good. And this yeah. like yeah, this will set you up for success for the rest of the cigar. You won't have to worry about, um, like you said, canoeing, uh, tunneling, uh, poor flavor, 
any any of that stuff that we want to avoid when we're spending five to thirty five dollars on a um, consumable product. Yeah, and then while you're smoking, of course, you want to keep it lit, and one of the best ways to do that is you know to smoke it, not talk on a cigar podcast. Um, and uh, if you chug the cigar, you're going to kind of do the same thing. Like you can heat the cherry up too much and you'll tell because the smoke will change. You'll get this sort of acrid uh, taste out of the smoke. And so my typical uh, advice is, you know, sort of long, slow draws on the cigar to keep the cherry from overheating. And uh, you'll produce plenty of smoke that way. And it should also burn fairly evenly. One of the things about cigar construction, of course, this is a natural product. It's a bunch of leaves bunched together. And the air is going to flow differently across the cherry, right? So imagine a tube, right, with sponge, different chunks of sponge packed into the end, right? So some of those chunks are going to be thicker. Some are going to be thinner. There's going to be some cracks. And the thinner parts and the, the cracks, like the air is going to flow through there faster. So the problem is if you're really just, you know, choo-choo training your, your cigar, you know, puff, 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 you're pulling the air in fast, which is introducing oxygen, which causes combustion, and it combusts faster in those spots where the air comes through more easily. Right. That's where you run into burn issues. Yep. So one of the most effective ways to get your cigar to burn straight and even all the way through is to control your draw, keep it, uh, you know, long and slow, and uh, you should see a, a better cigar smoking experience that way. Yeah, because at the point at the point where you're ready to cut and light your cigar, you can't do anything about the construction. Mm-hmm. It's it's set in stone, my friend. Mm-hmm. And so the only thing you can control is what you do with it, how you light it, and how you smoke it. And so you want to eliminate all possible errors that you can make as as the smoker, as a consumer. Um, I think they are the professionals, and we are not in rolling the cigar. They're very good at what they do. And so um, as long as you take your time with it, follow these follow these three simple steps and uh, and smoke your cigar with a calmness. Mm-hmm. You'll be uh, you'll be a okay. You're not attacking it. You're enjoying it. All right. So I think it is time to get back to this La Duena. Um, I will say that my experience has been, um, you know, it's pretty close to a one-note cigar. Uh, definitely has like an overtone that overpowers everything else. And it's still that, um, I'm just going to call it garden taste, uh, for lack of a better description. Any type of, you know, green bean vine, uh, morning glory vine, you know, any of these green plants that, you know, typically more of the vine type of plant, like they have this very distinct kind of smell and that's definitely overpowering my palate. But not floral. You're not getting floral. But I'm not getting floral. Okay. No. Um, so again, just sort of tinged with this garden flavor, a little bit of graham cracker, but it's like a graham cracker wrapped in a leaf and a little bit of cocoa, but it's like cocoa wrapped in a leaf. Um, 
a little bit of mint, but it's like mint wrapped in a, a leaf, not a mint leaf. So I would say that uh, this is definitely a, uh, you know, leafy, grew in the ground, vegetal uh, kind of flavor. That's that's what I'm experiencing. Uh, Nick? I kind of see what you're saying. Um, I'm not, it's not as abundant to me. The, those notes, um, I'm still getting the, the waxy, piney, mm-hmm. um, bitter, semi-sweet, but still bitter uh, flavors from it. It's super, I mean, it's pretty one-dimensional. Yeah. Hasn't changed a lot. Um, I've had excellent luck with the draw and the burn. Um, I'm very satisfied with the smoke output. And my burn line, which is very important here. On the Burn Line podcast, right, John? Right. Um, other than that, though, I I think that semi-sweet bitter coffee bean wax are like the words that I would use. Yeah, that's a good uh, good description. That uh, semi-sweet bitter, you know, that's the uh, garden flavor I would describe, right? Uh, or or what I'm describing as a garden flavor. So interesting that uh, we're having a really similar experience here. Uh, my burn line has improved dramatically, by the way. You can see that. And it is burning well. Yeah, the second half, yours really, really kind of self-corrected. You touch it up yeah. once, I think? Yeah, I touched it up once and, and just paid attention to my draw. It's hard to do on a podcast, honestly. I don't think I'm satisfied with the smoke output. I think I like smokier cigars than this. Uh, that's a personal preference. Um, like a Vitola, like, I don't know, smaller Vitolas, like there's less yeah. surface area to burn. Yeah, yeah I'm sure... Uh, I'm sure that plays into it. And then the other thing is uh, the smoke doesn't have any kind of texture on my palate, um, which is okay, but it does add a dimension to the experience. You know, they, I mean, it can go both ways. I've, I've had cigars where the, the texture of the smoke, you know, detracted from the experience, but it can also add like an extra dimension of experience, and I'm missing that. And I, and I think that those two factors play into why this seems one-dimensional yeah, it's so weird it, so you there's no feel kind of to the smoke right you, it's you, really interesting you though. almost can't feel it on your palate at yeah. all sometimes it's creamy sometimes it's gritty sometimes it's uh, chewy um, but this one is yeah kind of absent and then the other thing i'll say is that uh that sort of warm spice flavor comes through on the the retrohale um without the retrohale i don't think i'm tasting any spice in the cigar. Now I retrohale consistently, you know, that almost every puff. Um, so I, it just occurred to me though, as, as we're smoking this down that, uh, yeah, uh, without the retrohale that, that particular flavor goes away. Yeah. Well, I think it is time to rank this cigar with our new cigar ranking system. And, uh, we will start with presentation. Nick on a one to 10. How would you rank the My Father La Duena 6x42 Petit Lancero for presentation? Um, I like this box a lot. I like this band a lot. I like the silhouette. I like the colors. Um, it is modest is a good word for it. I'm giving it an 8 out of 10. All right. And I also gave it an 8 out of 10. I think the branding is brilliant. Um it really, it goes. Like the cigar goes with the band. It goes with the box. It goes with the presentation. 
it goes with the price point. I think they did a, a great job there. And how about price? This retails for eight seventy five here at Union, or if you buy a box and get the box discount, seven eighty five per cigar. Uh, Nick, what would you say? Oh, the price is fair. It's it's fair. It's not one way or another too pricey for the result, or um, you're getting way more out of the cigar than you paid for. So I think it's it's a fair. I don't know seven and a half. Are we doing halves? Can I do a half? We'll call that a seven. All right. No halves. John said no to the decimals. No to the decimals. Yeah. So uh, I also ranked it at a seven. I think it's a a reasonable price. Um, You know, this isn't the most enjoyable cigar I've ever smoked, but for sub nine dollars, definitely a buy it again cigar. So I will give it a seven as well. And moving on to construction. Nick, what do you have? So I think one of the dangers that we run into when we smoke one cigar and rate it is uh, you could get a good one and you could get a bad one. And today I got a good one. So I'm giving construction a nine. I had virtually no burn line issues, virtually no draw issues. Smoke Apo was good for me. Um, Had I smoked the same cigar that I smoked earlier this week, it would not be a nine. But today's a nine. All right. Fair uh, judgment there. And for me, of course, we always smoke the cigar ahead of the podcast for all of you out there listening, because many of them take longer than a podcast to actually smoke down. And we want to be as fair as possible. Uh, I gave mine an eight across both cigars. Uh, good construction. Um, no, no real issues. You know, it, it's not special, but uh, it holds together the sort of density of the tobacco bunching is kind of right where it should be, um, so ranked pretty high on that. And moving on to flavor for the My Father La Duena, number seven, six by 42, P- Petit Lancero. Nick, what do you have for flavor? Um, flavor, I'm going to put as an eight. Um, if it didn't fit my palate and my preferred flavor profiles, it'd probably be a seven because of the linear nature. Um, it's all very one-noted. We got kind of got the same thing first, third, second, third, final third. So uh, I'll come in at an eight. All right. And I gave it a six for flavor on both of the cigars that I smoked. The Yes, the the one note thing was uh, very prevalent. And also the uh, that one note or flavor is really not in my wheelhouse. Um, not really my thing. So gave it a six on that. And then overall experience for this cigar, Nick. Um, this is a cigar that I generally enjoy smoking, and I, uh, you know, my experiences this week didn't change that. Um, I'll go ahead and and give it a seven. All right, a seven for Nick on experience. I gave it a seven as well uh, for experience. So, you know, I I think that's uh, that kind of says it all, right? On a one to ten scale, it's you know, a, a, an above average experience. It all goes together pretty well. I think the you know, the branding and the construction and everything. And, and the one thing for me that, that uh, brought the cigar down was the uh, smoke output, the sort of, uh, you know, it's like ghost smoke. You know, it's almost not there. Uh, I do prefer a little more smoke output. And then, you know, the flavor, one-dimensional, and uh, it's that not really a dimension that I uh, enjoy that much. Um, but it's still, it's still a seven. I, I think they put it together 
pretty well. And so the total ranking, I have got 15, 23, 29, 36. And Nick has got 15, 24, 32, and 39. Which brings us to, we'll, we can't use, can't use decimals. So we'll call it a 38 total score for my father, La Duena. And we were smoking the Petit Lancero, uh, 6x42. It does come in other Vitolas, uh, which might change the smoke output as well. And a uh, little wrap-up, blended by Pete Johnson. And uh, it's a tribute to the OG lady herself for the Garcia family. Uh, sort of a, a special cigar that's um, lighter, I guess, than the traditional My Father offerings. And I thought the packaging and branding was, was really good. I, I really like that. It, it grabs your attention. Um, and I think uh, for me, the, I just uh, wasn't a big fan of the flavor profile and, and uh, smoke output and that part of the experience. But I would smoke it again. So like most of my father products, it's, it's pretty high quality. And uh, you usually can't go wrong with their section of the humidor. Uh, Nick, any closing thoughts on the My Father La Duena? I think, interestingly enough, with the story behind the cigar, it was kind of blended with one person in mind mm-hmm. and, and has now become a mass-produced product. Um, so if you don't have the same taste as Janny Garcia, uh, this wasn't made for you, literally. Um, other than that, always something that I'm, I'm liking. My Father, we have a great selection here at uh, Union Cigar Hanover. They have um, two number one cigar cigars of the year, according to <coughs> Cigar Aficionado. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, they're, uh, they're all good. So give them a try. All right, thanks for joining us, everybody out there in podcast land. We will see you next week.